Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lafondra looking to get side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 Reading. Three points Reading. Hello, welcome to the Alan Potterall's podcast sponsored by Blue Collar Street Food. Reading played away yesterday uh, up in Sunderland in the northeast and came back quite predictably perhaps with zero points. Joining me to discuss what was a extremely long 90 minutes and an even longer day, Paul Mann. It was a long day, but I really enjoyed it still, despite the team being letting us down, basically, which we all expected. I mean, on the way, Alex and Matt, we all thought we were going to lose 3-0, didn't we? So overall, I still enjoyed the day, but God, that is so frustrating, that last mistake. It's a good day ruined by 90 minutes in the middle, Matt, isn't it? 90 minutes in the middle, certain players that I'm sure we'll go on to mention. Um, Yeah, on the plus side... Saw the seaside, had a banging pizza pre-match. So it wasn't all bad. Um, yeah, just if only the team that we follow, sadly, was better away from home. Um, these trips might be slightly more enjoyable. Yes. Yeah, so... Pizza was elite, though, Alex. I you will say, yeah. Big and I know we are sponsored by Blue Collar, but Blue Collar, you've got an up your game because that pizza was a magnificent. Big shout out to to uh, Vaux Brewery and their, their food stand outside because that's made the trip at least bearable yesterday. Um, yeah, let's have a look at the lineup yesterday. Matt Carroll came straight back into the side uh, with Zhao injured and Long started to front alongside him. Cassidy went to the bench and Holmes was injured and Bengue started yesterday. Saar started in the centre. Kind of, it felt like a very mishmash lineup and it gives Reading their 30th different lineup this season from 30 league games. It's because it was a very mismatch lineup, wasn't it? Um, you know, when you when when you look at it, Yidam, right wing back still playing centre back. Um and Benge coming back was good, um, you know, because whenever he's played, seemingly he's been a bright spark, and I just hope that he's got a place nailed down because he has to start simply. Um, he was probably the saving grace of that left-hand side before he got shifted to the right-hand side. McIntyre in midfield, we've discussed this 30,000 times, seemingly. It, it, like, it... it... <sighs> I know again we'll, we'll we'll go on to talk talk about it, but he's not a midfielder, you know. I know we've got Nabisar, not Nabisar, um, Loom out injured, you know, and seemingly Ince has to play a defensive midfielder in that midfield. Um, so you know, it was inevitable that McIntyre was going to come in there, no matter, I guess, what we all think and McIntyre's abilities in midfield. Um, and then Carroll up top, 
you know like at, at, at this stage you know i'm again we'll talk about it in in the context of the game he was anonymous again yesterday I but we, we will talk about it in the context of the game because he didn't do anything oh because he didn't do anything yeah no so well, that's a well very good point yeah but no well, it, like how we finished the 90 minutes i don't know like i can i can sort of kind of only just understand why Paul Ince, you know, wanted to start him because it, clearly we're trying to build the attack around around him for whatever reason, whatever motives, incentives that Ince has around starting Carroll up top. I guess, you know, like we kind of expect Carroll now just to be that one mainstay, but after 60 minutes, he should have been hooked because it was just dreadful. But again, we'll, we'll talk about the substitutions when we get to them. All in all, very mishmashed. Um, I, I yeah, like I, I don't know who I'd rather see in midfield as well at this point, McIntyre or Loom, to be honest, because they're both dreadful. Well, that's uh, yeah, one for one for later on, I guess. Paul, the first half, I believe, got described by somebody from BBC Look North after the game as grim, and that time wasting started happening in about the eighth minute. I don't think it was dreadful but I think maybe a lot of this was down to the fact that Sunderland were extremely poor in the first half as well I think Sunderland are used to watching attacking play on a consistent basis over the last 18 months or so really so under combination of Alex Neal and Tony Mowbray aren't they um if you watch Reading on a regular basis you'll realize that was nowhere near our worst performance and we can be far more grim than that um did I think it was embarrassing, like some Salem fans or sites said? No, it's the reality that we're in. I don't think it was embarrassing. I think we're just not very good. Um, I don't know, the first half, I think we all agreed that we'd actually look better than we thought we were going to be. I thought that we were going to get really kind of like outplayed by Salem from the first minute. That didn't feel like the case. It felt like we had a plan in the first half. I don't think it's unfair to say that. It might not have been pretty. It might not have been beautiful. But it felt like there was a shape to it and an idea. And we weren't just hitting the ball long to Carroll every single time. And having long there helped. Um, coming on to the point that Matt made about uh, having Tom McIntyre in midfield. Why we're not playing four now there, I don't understand. But... I I don't know. I, I don't think it was dismal in the first half. I think it's just a little bit dismissive of us, isn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I think Sunderland, Sunderland were dreadful that first half. I'd like. I don't really yeah. understand how all of their radio people, fans are coming out trying to say that Reading were were shocking that first half. And and like 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 you say, we, we've seen a lot worse than that in that in that first half. Like I kind of kind of feel there was a lot of frustration maybe from Sunderland fans that you know because certainly after the game towards towards you know the back end of the game they were getting chances they weren't putting them away you know and it was a bit of a well we're we're drawing to Paul Lintz's Reading right you know seemingly everyone's dismissing like yes the the football isn't the greatest to watch you know but this is the championship you know you're not going to be watching Man City every single week um but but yeah that that first half Sunderland were dreadful it was a different story in the second half um I don't with, think with Sunderland had a chance in the first half no, no, I don't think they did. No. I mean, we didn't really, but I'm just no. saying I both think teams we were as bad as each other. Yeah, I think we, we had our one shot of on target. So, yeah, we did have a shot on target yesterday. It didn't come from open play. Um, we did have a shot on target in the first half from, from Navi Sar. 
it came from a corner. Honestly, I'd love to be able to describe it, talk about it, you know, etc. But in all honesty, Paul, it was so kind of irrelevant. I do not remember it. It's not in any of the highlights. No. Which isn't great for a podcast, perhaps. I'm sorry, but... I think it was basically... It was more of a back pass of a header, I think. I mean, I so far got into the back of my brain, I can barely, barely remember it, but yeah. Um, There was a moment in the first half, though, quite near the beginning, when Ince played a ball through to Long, and if he takes another option, or has still has that yard of pace, he'd get a shot away, and... Lots of ifs there, but I don't know. I think to call it like grim and all this, that's fine. You might dislike Paul Ince and everything, and I totally get that. I don't have any issue with that, but I don't think it was absolutely abysmal. It's not like we, we've come away from there losing four or five nil. That's not the case. We we went to Sunderland with a game plan, to be honest. Like, you know, it was executed relatively well in that first half, right? You know, they also had the chance where I think Carroll flicks on a long header, a long throw in at the near post. And if long is, you know, goal side of his of his man, he tucks that away because it's six yards out. Um, you know, so like there was there was a lot of kind of nearly chances, but it was just not quite not quite there for for reading that first half and kind of if, if if you get a goal in that first half you're talking about it's kind of like the perfect kind of away performance right it's kind of swansea first half you know where, where where you just take the chances small chances where you get them but kind of you know with the team we've got that's kind of most of the games this season right it's no it's no real surprise that we're playing like that you know really the only game where we've actually come out dominated been really on the front foot pressing controlling a game was probably Blackburn at home right you know every other game has been I think it's very much I think it's fair at this point that we can probably write Blackburn off as a bit of a fluke as well yeah I like I don't so many look back at it though right don't get me wrong it was a great performance but as much as we can keep harking back to it it's once in a year that that's happened it's not it's not something that we're continually like you know striving to come back to this um, is why I enjoyed that moment so much because it was obvious that was not going to be a regular occurrence. No, <laughs> kind of, we mentioned yeah. it on the podcast after, didn't we? <laughs> we we had a question, Matt, from from George on Twitter. When are we next going to score from open play? We've oh. and that's the, it's not a sarcastic question because we've scored it's five not. now in thirteen league games. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good question and um, it's it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to find where that is coming from because really like like i said like what we're hoping for at the moment is you know that that intelligence from a player to be the right side of a defender to win a knockdown and you know stab it in the back of the net or the moment of brilliance from you know jeff hendrick from 30 yards but again that's not going to happen every game because you we, can look at his career and he's not done that every game and we, we talk about knockdowns and you know wing flick-ons and things but ultimately we we're not doing it because yeah you know the the stats say that we're not doing it. We're not we're not doing it on the pitch. Everybody can talk about that. It might be the game plan. It might be the the idea that you, you plan to do with Carroll up front, but it doesn't work because we're not actually producing right. any results from it. We're not scoring goals. We're not creating chances. I, yeah, I think it's well, it's, I mean, it's, it's bringing a lot of the frustration at the moment, right? So many people are getting frustrated at it because it's not like you know it's it's not like we're actually creating chances and they're being saved quite a lot of the chances we're actually getting that are going on target are actually ending in the back of the net right now, you know? So it's, we're not creating an abundance of chances and it's, 
when you're not creating chances from over open play, how how are you going to see when we're next going to score? You know, there's nothing to actually tell you that, you know, we are going to score anytime soon from open play. Um, like, yes, we've got three big games coming up against low, low teams, but, you, but like, I, I generally don't think it matters because the way, the way we play at the moment, it doesn't matter if we're home, if we're away, um, if we're playing a top team, a bottom team, we're not, we're not creating, you know, and it kind of comes back to that, that part which we've talked about in the past about midfielders having creative midfielders in, in in the team well that is just the point i was going to make who do we bring into the team there's going to be that creative player we've obviously signed the yesterday player from that's exactly what i was going to say we've just from chelsea that is the one player that we have to pin everything on and he has played 40 say 50 minutes 50 60 minutes of championship at action and that's all he's got to back it up he might well do it in one game he might do it against Rotherham on Tuesday and I hope he really does but that's a lot of pressure to put on one player um yeah I find that really hard one to the fact that we don't have that player I mean uh, we all know why these situations are we're not going to go through like the transfer in I think a lot a lot of it though Paul I think a lot of it comes down to the system there's nothing stopping mm some of these players in this team from being creative and, and being able to create from open play, right? There's nothing stopping. It could be better. There's it, no exactly. doubt. It could be but better, right? We've, we've got... still got the same set of defenders who are abysmal. Yeah, well, we'll come on to the defending, but I think it could be better. Open play, you've still got players like Hoy that you've got. Like, Hendrik can pick a pass out. He has done it this season, but he doesn't do it in an anywhere near a regular basis. Hoy can create. The left-hand side, not so much. I'm we won't discuss that. Ince should be able to create, um, but we, we just don't look like we're going to create chances for open play. Let's move on to the second half. As much as some of them were bad in the first half, they completely changed in the second half. They looked much better pretty much instantly. And Paul, I think it, it felt like Sunderland were definitely kind of on top in the second half because I, I don't really think that Reading particularly troubled Sunderland going forwards in the second half. No, not at all. Um, Elise and Hume, their fullbacks, all of a sudden pushed up massively and made a huge difference. And Elise had a really golden chance, really good first touch. His finish was abysmal. Hume also had a chance, kind of shot straight at Lumley, really. He should save that one. But oh, I don't know. Just, just up their gears. And as much as. <clears throat> The Sunderland was uh, fantastic yesterday and I, I enjoyed going and everything, but the crowd was incredibly quiet until they actually got into the game. I think they were very nervous because it's the game they probably went into expecting to win and I understand that. But it did lift a bit, but not until really much later until they actually scored, you really felt like the atmosphere was there. Uh, what do you think, Matt? Um, am I being wrong here? What do you think? That's the kind of example. well, with 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 the atmosphere, it was quite flat. But I mean, the the, the change they made in the second half. I mean, the two fullbacks I thought was fant- were fantastic for Sunderland. I mean, Reading didn't know how to cope with them. I mean, Elise particularly um, their left their left fullback. He he so often found himself almost in a left wing position. Sometimes he even ended up in a right wing position. It, it was. It, it, it was really interesting to watch. It's kind of almost like Pep Guardiola with his fullbacks at Manchester City. I know I think Carrick's done similar at Borough with really, really good effect, obviously, since he's come in. Come in. Um, but, I mean, what, once those two pushed up, I mean, Reading didn't know what to do. 
they, they, they generally did not know what to do with either of them. And they had overloads every single time. Um, and kind of, I mean, after about 60 minutes, I mean, I mean, we said to each other, like, this has got one nil Sunderland written all over it. Like, maybe not 60 minutes, about 70 minutes, wasn't it? Because about five minutes before the cold, 10 minutes before. Like, just because the chances were coming, the chances were coming. Like, the crowd was still relatively quiet, you know, but it was probably more frustration, I think. Um, because, because you know, like, a, like I said, they were really coming into the game that second half. And I mean, I, I think it's all it was pretty much down to those two two fullbacks pushing up because they were an absolute menace. So as good as those two fullbacks were playing in the second half, Sunderland, I think, had two, they had two major chances. One which got smashed over the bar, definitely should have done better. Um, I, I don't know who it was, but he smashed it over the bar from about 12 yards. Lumley's out of position because he's made the original save. And then the second one, Lumley makes a double, kind of a triple save. Um, when he pushes the ball out back into the middle of the area and then he makes the follow-up. Both pretty good pieces were played by Joe Lonely to make the original saves. The the game sort of changes, I think, Matt, on the Reading substitutions at 75 minutes or so. I don't understand what we benefit from bringing Scott Dan on. Again, yes. And as you mentioned earlier, we've we've taken Shane Long off instead of Andy Carroll to bring on uh, Jackie Mate. Both of these subs just seem really negative in a game where, yeah, we weren't on top and we weren't dominating the game, but it, it just it smacks of a, a manager and a team which is going to just try and sit there and, and grind the nil nil out. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I. I well, the Scott Dan one is just getting more frustrating by the week because seemingly it's happening week on week on week. And I think there's a stat out there that I think the six games that he's played, I think we've we've drawn drawn two and lost four or drawn three and lost three or something, conceding six and scoring none, I think, since he's come on the pitch. It's it's really, really I, I, I just don't understand it um from any point of view, really, because you're literally changing the back four. But back five every single time just for the sake of changing the back five. I don't understand what Scott Dan, as you said, brings when he comes comes on because he's not got pace. He's got experience, but I mean, like he's clearly not using it because we're conceding and losing games when he does come on the pitch. You know, there's when when you bring him on, you're shifting two, three, four, or in yesterday's case, I think it was three players out of or changing their position in the back five to accommodate him. Like, yes, Yeardum's now going back to his normal point on the right, you know, which you'd think would probably be where you'd want to play him originally, but you don't do that mid-game or it's so risky to change a back line mid-game. And realistically, even though, you know, Sunderland were having chances and that, like, I, I, I just, I can't see what Scott Dan brings to it. And the, the Aku Mate one up top, I mean, Paul, the, the 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 thing we've we've, we've talked about, you know, Yaku Mate and um, Andy Carroll, Shane Long, this ever going kind of who's coming on, who's playing. I mean, makes, what what do you do there? I think it makes zero difference what strikers we bring on. It makes absolutely subtle difference because we well, play I, exactly the same way, don't we? Realistically, we, whichever whichever striker, I think that was the first time we've played um, Long and Carroll together from the start. But it makes zero difference because we've played the same way. Once we get to sixty or seventy minutes, whichever strikers end up coming on the field, I think. Yeah, um, well, we can think we want to talk about hypothetically what we'd like to see. Let's forget that he's the manager. I think that's it. I think I would like to have seen Aziz come on because yeah, the yeah. impact he had last week when he came on 
was was big was very positive you've got to get him on that left hand side because just on sheer probability if you've got something going in in the opposite direction Baba Raman just has less to do <laughs> I mean I think that's a very positive thing because defensively we all know he is abysmal and he will make a terrible clangor at some point and Alex unfortunately we're now going to have to talk about that moment, aren't we? Yeah, our, our defence has always got a mistake in them, let's be honest. It doesn't, it might be Baba Raman, it might be Nabi Sar, Tom Mahomes has got a mistake in him from time to time, so is Hoylet, Lumley, they all do have one. Yesterday it was Baba Raman's turn, um, 85th minute or something. Reading have not defended amazingly, let's be honest, but it was still nil-nil and it looked like we might be able to pick up a point. Nabi Saar defends the original kind of run from um, Patrick Roberts okay-ish. And it looks like the ball's going to fall to Baba Roman, Paul. He's tried to control it by kind of stepping on the ball to stop it. And then looks like he's going to try and hit it away with his left foot. And the ball's basically just been stolen from him from Patrick Roberts as he's run around the back of Nabi Saar. And it's, I mean, it's a very kind of... It, it's it's a good finish, but it's quite a simple finish once he finds himself six yards out in reality. Um, the defending kind of after Barbara Man's lost the ball is not good from, from Scott Dan, I don't think. Joe Lumley's attempt to save isn't fantastic either. It, like, it, Barbara Man is going to get a lot of the blame on this goal, and rightly so, because ultimately the mistake comes from him. But it's it's so frustrating because we should have probably got a point i'm not saying we deserved a point necessarily but it's just that it's so frustrating to to watch that kind of thing happen you kind of covered everything there for me alex there's not very much not really much for me to add there is there um yeah barbara man when we were watching it we all thought that he'd stayed on the ball too long and he'd actually kind of switched off completely but when you watch it back, that's not the case. The case is he's completely miscontrolled the ball. So he has lost concentration, but in a different way to what we actually thought. He's just got to get rid of the ball. He cannot be holding onto the ball there for any time at all because he's going to get closed down. Um, yeah, Scott Dan as well. Just that was the Scott Dan moment, wasn't it? Um, I'm going to bring a special really section into this uh, podcast. With five minutes to go, we're going to bring in the Scott Dan moment because uh, bring in the announcement that he's coming on. Because why not? It seems to be actually a legal obligation for Reading FC to play Scott Dan. We all know he's going to play. We all know when he's going to come on. And whenever he comes on, things ultimately seem to get worse. They don't actually seem to get better. So I don't know what he's adding to it. Lumley, okay, yeah, people might want to say he could do this, he can't do that. He's in an absolute shit position there. He's been. You, you can say the same about Scott Dan though, because Scott Dan then, and we're we're going to slate Scott Dan for his for his feeble attempt of a tackle. Tom McIntyre for not putting a tackle in. You know, like Lumley's still got was near him. He couldn't get to him in that time. I mean, I, I, I mean, he's right. He's right by the shot when the shot's taken. He can he can try and put a foot in. There's so many people that you can look at in that goal. Realistically, we're all saying there's so many people, but it, it all comes back to the fact if you lose the ball six yards or seven yards, it's from a it's shy. <laughs> it, it, yeah. That's what the moment is. He knows it that. stems the from that. He had after he'd made the mistake tells you absolutely everything. He knows gonna, he's made a massive error. 
I'm going to fire some questions out here now, which we've got asked. Um, there isn't anything else to discuss from the game. We made some subs. We didn't have a shot. Once they scored, the game was over. Um, Matt, question from Scott. How does it ints address the left side of defence? Three games in a row has <laughs> been completely exposed. One thing I will say, the first 60 minutes yesterday with Mbengue on the left side of central defence, his pace really covers whoever was playing there. As soon as we switched it and put Saar there, it looked, mm-hmm. you know, we made we made the error, right? Yeah, well, it, it it comes back to that kind of that that substitution switch, right? Like and Benge, like I like like we've said, has been a shining light really in this in this defense. You know, he's actually he's he's saving the blushes of you know players at the moment because of his pace, his quickness, and he's actually very good tackling wise. You know, he's got a great slide tackle in him. He's he's able to get the ball back when he's slightly behind a man. Um, you know, realistically, you've just got to take Bubba Rahman out of the team. I like, I don't like Paul's. Paul said it. You've said it. What does he add to the team? He adds nothing. You know, bring Guinness Walker in there. You know, yes, he's not as good. Def- like, or people say that he's not as good defensively. But I mean, Rahman's crap. He's got no defensive ability. So realistically, what are you gaining by actually putting Rahman there? At least put someone in there who's actually got something good going forward. It's like Hoylet on the right hand side. Or for God's sake, put Hoylet there on the left. He's played there a few times. You know, one of the one of the theories. I don't even know if I'd call it a theory. Just one of the things that was speculated that I read was that potentially, if he's not starting, that maybe we end up having to pay Chelsea more money in wages. I, I have no idea if that's true, but it's perhaps the reason that Babarani then, is seemingly. Then start. you've got to look at the hierarchy and you know who facilitated that deal, and then you, you're looking at people like Mark Bowen, right, for for kind of you know facilitating a deal like that where you've got to play no, a. Pay- I, I can't agree on that one, Matt. I think that's harsh well, you, because the situation well, you, we were in last summer, we had no choice. We had no choice. Well, you, well you've got you, we 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 brought in a defender. We brought in a left back oh, in Guinness Walker. Like who is a left back, and now you're you're bringing another defender on loan, where you're now having to pay extra amount on 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 loan. If that is true, that's um, yeah, exactly. I'm talking it's all hypotheticals. We don't know. No, none of us, none of us know. Um, obviously, after last night, Paul, there was a lot of of Paul Lynch chat. I think on social media, uh, his interview hmm. with one of the, the Sunderland journalists went down like an absolute lead balloon, really online. Um, one of the questions that we had from Lyle is Ince under pressure. We've won four in 19. We are slipping down the table slowly but surely at the minute. We've got three huge games this week. Is he under pressure yet? Um, and, you know, are we going to show more ambition, I guess, in the next three games? Um, well, I don't know about ambition. I wouldn't expect that at all because that's not the way we play under Paul Ince. Is he beginning to be under pressure yeah i would say he is Uh, i think that's the reality of where we are i do also think that the next three games will decide how much pressure he's under if we manage to get say six points being optimistic because it's not me thinking that that's probably going to happen because we make these things into a massive struggle every single time but if we do get six points you've got to say okay you're we're probably staying up, you know, that will put us on 44 points and it's against teams that are below us. Um, if we only get one or two points, then the pressure's massive because not only we, we have not beaten those teams, other teams below them 
might have picked up points. So, yeah, I'd say he is. But thing is, who also is going to come in and replace him? We don't know. So we shouldn't really get into that debate because we'd be here for hours. We would be here for hours. Yeah, you're right. Um, I guess last question, Matt. Are we in panic mode as a fan base? And are we always in panic mode from Andrew? Are we always in panic mode as a fan base on Reading FC? Um, I mean, I think you're always concerned, aren't you? And especially like when, when we've... When we've been in, you know, as dire situation as Reading has been for year after year after year, you know, you're just hoping every single season at the moment just to see some progress, start seeing some light at the end of the tunnel that seemingly like, you know, so we're not going to be in this, you know, constant cycle of of new manager, new manager bounce, survival, good start, crap middle, relegation fight, sack the manager. New, you know, it's just constant at the moment. It's been constant for years you know, so like I don't I don't think it's unfair to, you know, get annoyed or get frustrated at people that that hit panic mode at this point, because, you know, really at, at, at the end of the day, you know what we know, 19 games and four wins. You know, it's dismal. You look at our waveform and it's not even a waveform just this season. This season is particularly bad away from home. But I you look at it on the whole. It's dreadful. You did. It's, 20, it's shocking. I think it was 20. I think I read. Where was it? 20, 20, 24 in 100. 24 wins out of 114 away games since the start of 2017 when we've been able to go to games. It's utterly, utterly shocking. You know, you, 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 you're not, it's, what's it, over one, is it one in five that? What it tells you is that we're just shit under multiple managers. Yeah, but like, 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 like you need, you need someone to come in and actually like, you, you know, stop this rot you know not asking asking for miracles from away games i'm honest i'd like to just see us win more than four a season that doesn't seem would be lovely wouldn't it imagine that i mean that is a really high bar you've set there alex doesn't it i mean it's well we're already at three this season alex so you never know for this season there's no way we're winning two more away games surely well you never know you You never never know know. we didn't think that last year right yeah, when we yeah. went and beat Sheffield United away 2-1. But you never know. But, like, I mean, it's it's just been so bad for so long, right? And that's why people get frustrated and get, get annoyed. I've got a couple because... more questions here from uh, the ones that are from Twitter, which we really appreciate you sending in. It makes uh, it far more enjoyable for us to do this because just to us talking about losing all the time is in no way fun. I think there's an interesting one from Guy. What should our transfer policy be next season? Brighton models, same style, no matter who the coach is. Brentford model, buy players on a stat model, then sell on. We have to get our average age down. I believe it's one of the highest in the league. I think it is the highest. I think Guy's right. It is pretty much the highest average age at the minute. That was probably to be expected this season because of the fact that we've just had to sign free agents. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's, there's... There's not too much really bad in that. It's just the situation we're in, right? You know, is it ideal? Of course not. But, you know, we're in a case of, you know, literally get through this season and then you might be able to start rebuilding next season. My personal preference in terms of transfer policy would be that we don't actually rely on the manager at all. Managers just gets basically zero say in it. Because ultimately, how long is a manager's tenure on average now in Mm. England? A year? At most, what's the point? Why, why would you go out and sign four or five players who are going to be here for three, four years, potentially, for a manager who's only going to be here for one? Make a squad and then ask a manager to come in and work with them. That's that's the like policy that I would go with, which is kind of what Brighton would do, really. 
I was going to say there was there, there was that question as well, Paul, wasn't there, um, on what what transfer or what model do you want to see build going forwards? The it's yeah, like which you know if if you're looking to build forwards, you know you've got to have a combination of multiple. Like you know you've got to have you, you can't just do everything on one one basic kind of principle. You've got to have a mixture of you know an overall club philosophy that's got to be decided by a sporting director, and that is now Mark Bowen. That's his job. Right, you know, this is the Scott Dan zone. This is like the last five minutes of the podcast warning. Are you subbing so Lanty out? Is, yeah, <laughs> this is the new one. We have to like cut across because, like, this is a big and Scott Dan's coming on. This is when the end of the podcast is happening. Big question, Harold. How many points are you expecting or hoping for over the next couple of fixtures? I think six minimum out of Rotherham. Cardiff and Blackpool. Matt, how many points are you expecting and hoping? I mean, you could pick a number out of a hat for kind of how much I'm expecting because I can't see a scoring from open play at the moment. But you're playing, you're playing to a, you're playing teams that are all down there. And realistically, you know, if Paul Ince wants to get people back on side, Rotherham Tuesday night is a must-win. There is no, there is no questions about that. He simply has to win. Um, Cardiff away, you know, again, they're doing dreadfully. You know, they've got a really bad home record as well. If you can't be even getting a point there, like Christ, you know, again, it, it, people will be calling for the manager. It's got to be seven out of seven out of six, uh, seven out of the three games for me. You know, you've got to win those two home games. If you don't win those two home games, people will be calling for the manager's head, I think. I, I expect us to get three points. If we do get three points, do you think Paul Ince goes then? Because like no. the fans will be livid after that. You no, don't think not, he goes? Not I think you... we'll get three. The minimum is five. As, as an expectation, I think the minimum is five points. If you get five, if you get one win and two draws, that isn't. It's not perfect, but it, it's like it's okay. Um, do you think we're getting the three points from three draws then, or one no, win and two we'll losses? Win one. I think we'll win one, lose two, personally. But and you think Paul Ince will stay after that? Yep, because why wouldn't like I just don't see him going anywhere. But, we'll, but then, we'll then, then we'll you'll be at five and five we'll and five, five wins and twenty-one. This the conversation. <laughs> we can't like can't go down there. I've got I've got one question to end it, Paul. Unless you've got one there, I just want to say I'm hoping for seven, expecting four at best. I think I think any anything less than six, and I think people, you know, it's going to get. Oh, pretty, I agree. Proper toxic, I agree. But just you know. my expectation. It's yeah. where we are. We never make it easy. No, it's sad. It's sad, really, when we're saying that's our expectation, right? At this stage of the season, there was some hope a few months ago. You know, we like we did our end of season podcast, and we were talking about hope, and now we're just dejected again. Well, you know, there's still sixteen games to go. You never know what might happen. But um, what is one it with Reading in February? It always happens around this time. One last question from Mike to end the podcast. Have you got any good TV show recommendations if you don't want to watch Reading anymore, Paul? I would 100% a peep show. It's it's just the greatest TV programme you could also probably ask for. Um, yeah, that's it, I think, really. You've got to get into that. If you haven't watched that, you must watch that. It is just uh, outstanding. And you will find out that crack is quite Moorish. Peep Lando, show is a top more recent. 
Um, uh, yes, actually, one one that I've got now on my watch list because it came out, I think, a couple of days ago, Clarkson's Farm. I love a bit of Jeremy Clarkson. So, you know. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll throw on the mole on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, decent decent little game show. Uh, worth a watch. Um, that's pretty much it. We, we, we could sit here and talk about TV for another half an hour, but frankly, I think we all have got better things to do on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed today. We'll be back midweek with a podcast after Rotherham. Please get three points because I just can't be dealing with us losing again. Um, it's getting quite quite sad. Yeah, we'll be back midweek. If you've enjoyed today, drop us a like on social media and a review on iTunes. I had to think about that. iTunes and Spotify. <laughs> And five stars if you please and we will talk to you all very soon thank you very much